Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi there, and welcome back to OOF, Right in the Childhood. I'm Jen, and this is a podcast where I watch the Disney animated feature films in the order in which they were released, tell you the history of those films, and then react to them from a modern standpoint. Today, I'm going to be talking about Bambi, because if Dumbo wasn't traumatic enough, Bambi will give you two traumas in a row. When Snow White and the Seven Dwarves was released in 1937, Walt Disney already knew what he wanted the studio's second movie to be. See, in 1933, MGM had bought the film rights to a book named Bambi, A Life in the Woods, but realized after several years that making a live-action adaptation would be impossible. So they sold the rights to Walt Disney Productions. The novel, published in 1923, is the story of the life of a male deer born in the forest. From his birth to becoming old and gray, the book shows the wonders of the wild and the horrors of man. It was also banned in Nazi Germany for being an allegory of the treatment of the Jewish man by the regime. However, the novel, though popular when it was published, was also full of descriptions of violence, both against animals and men. So Disney was going to have to work on the script to make it into a child's film. Instead of taking the book's plot exactly, Walt decided he'd rather simply use the book as a way to explore the natural world. He planned all kinds of alternatives to how the movie appeared upon release. For example, He'd planned six rabbit friends for Bambi, similar to the seven dwarves. Once the script was finalized, Walt turned to the art. Neither he nor the head animators were happy with how the animals looked in Snow White. According to Eric Larson, the deer looked, quote, like big flower sacks. So Walt hired a wildlife artist named Rico Lebrun to come in and teach the animators about animal anatomy and movement. He also brought live animals into the studio for the animators to watch and draw. These animals included rabbits, ducks, owls, skunks, and a pair of fawns. They also brought in an ice capade star to demonstrate figure skating moves for an ice skating scene. One of the artists was sent to New England to sketch the forests of the American Northeast. However, his drawings were seen as too busy. One of the studio's animators, Tyrus Wong, then suggested a more impressionistic style of art. His forests had different levels of detail at different points. The edges were filled with trees and flowers, while the centers were more sparsely populated. That let the characters be the focus, while still giving the appearance of a natural forest. In the end, Bambi cost Walt Disney Productions $868,000. Adjusted for inflation, that's about $13.8 million today. As the studio was hurting financially after the box office failures of Pinocchio and Fantasia, they ended up cutting 12 minutes from the final film to save money. Due to World War II, international markets were limited. However, in the U.S. and Canada, Bambi did earn the studio about $1.3 million, which is $20.2 million today. Despite the war, the movie did bring in $1.7 million in international markets, or $26.8 million today. 
It was also released in theaters four more times before its first home release in 1989. TheNumbers.com says that Bambi's lifetime earnings are $268 million, 312 times its initial budget. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is sponsored by my patrons on Patreon. I love creating content for you, and becoming a patron on my Patreon helps me cover hosting fees and upgrade the equipment I use while allowing me to minimize ad time. At the $5 level, you not only get an ad-free version of each episode a day earlier than it's released, but starting next month, you get a special bonus episode on the first of each month with content available exclusively on Patreon. In October, I investigate the role of Walt Disney Productions during World War II, from the occupation of the studio by the U.S. military to the hundreds of hours of training and propaganda that the studio released. I also provide synopses and commentary for the cartoon portions of eight of the propaganda pieces they released during the war. Information for my Patreon can be found on my website at oofmychildhood.com. The opening credits are Shadows of Plants with a Love Song. I seem to have blocked that out from my childhood. We pan through a beautiful painting of a forest. The music over the first scenes of animals really shows how they picked up the scoring for this one. Every animal in the forest gathers around Bambi's mother immediately after she's given birth, and that feels intrusive. Then she tells him to wake up and greet his guests. Absolutely no mother has ever been like, you know what this newborn needs? More wakefulness. A rabbit named Thumper calls the baby wobbly and gets in trouble for it. I've always felt for him not being able to filter. The baby is wobbly. Gosh, Mom. I think I'll call him Bambi. Yeah, I guess that'll be all right. Thank you, small rabbit, for the opinion no one asked for. And all is right and well with the world for a moment as the absentee father looks on from afar. Bambi and his mom go for a walk, and the squirrels act like they're surprised that he's walking. A fawn can walk seven hours after it's born, for reference. They go through the forest and meet all the animals in the world. Mrs. Quail has nine chicks. She's got to have a time with that. Bambi trips over a reed and 18 rabbits appear to comment. He doesn't walk very good, does he? Young Thumper is one of my favorite Disney characters of all time. Now we're going to teach the baby deer to talk. He wiggles his nose like Thumper as he talks, which is adorable, and then he chases a butterfly. And all of a sudden, he goes from not being able to say bird to butterfly. Then enters Flower, the best skunk ever drawn. Thumper hears thunder and immediately abandons an infant deer in the woods. I'm not saying he's responsible for Bambi. I'm just saying this is a baby and he's like, good luck with that. There's this little song that isn't much of a song that says drip, drip, drop, little April shower. But I remember really liking it as a kid because... My birthday's in April, and it talks about it. And the animators got to show off all of their animal studies during this song. Now Bambi's old enough to talk, and they're going to the meadow. There are other deer in the forest, mother, 
I promise, this is only a surprise to you. The meadow is wide and open. There are no trees or bushes to protect us. Honestly, I think this scene is what gave me anxiety. For life. But now they're playing in the meadow. Everything is fine. They come across the rabbit family and we get a morality plug about eating our vegetables. Eating greens is a special treat. I do love how this scene indicates how often Thumper is lectured in rhyme by his father. Thumper, what did your father tell you? About what? About eating greens? Oh, that one. If anyone hasn't caught on, Thumper is an ADHD child with no filter. And now we've met another fawn. She scares the living heck out of Bambi. The new fawn, obviously a girl with her long eyelashes and lighter coloring, chases Bambi to their mother's. It's here, in the captions, that I learned that Feline's mother is named Ina. Finally, Bambi has had enough of Feline chasing him around, and they end up on a mini Pride Rock. Really, I need to start cataloging how many times I see early visions of Pride Rock in these movies. And the Bucks are here. They fight each other to brass music, and it's beautiful. But then, a stag shows up, and everything stops. As he walks by, Bambi says, He stops and looked at me. And his mom goes, Yes, I know. There's this little subtext of, we had a special moment about a year ago. And now comes the let's scare the bejesus out of everyone with gunfire scene. The deer run and Bambi gets separated from his mother. But don't worry, his absentee father will save him. I always forget that his mom doesn't die in the first gunfire scene. I actually always forget that there are two gunfire scenes. What happened, mother? Why did we all run? Man was in the forest. I run when there are men in the forest, too. We zoom through autumn. It's very pretty, but then the final leaf falls and it's winter. Snow! The ice scene has always been my favorite of all of them. It's the cutest thing Disney ever made. That ice capades demonstration really paid off on this. Kinda wobbly, aren't ya? I guess Thumper's just immediately good at everything. They wake Flower up from hibernation. That's not a nice thing to do. He ate for months for this. I like how they drew him a little more plump for this scene. It makes it more like he has saved up his fat stores. We move from adorable ice scene to we're trying not to starve scenes, which were always way, way sadder than him losing his mother. But the grass has returned. They won't die. From starvation. However, the music says, audience, pay attention. They run into the woods with a heart racing theme, but Bambi's mother doesn't make it back to their thicket. In the original cut, they were going to show us Bambi's mom being shot as she jumped over a log, and though I continue to be impressed by the children of the 1940s, I just don't think that would have been a good choice. Point of order. Was the guy who killed Bambi's mom hunting in off-season? It doesn't seem like they'd give out tickets during We're Starving to Death Winter, or were there fewer hunting laws back then? I've decided he's a poacher. Your mother can't be with you anymore. Guess I've got to take care of you now. But it's spring now. All the birds are singing about it. Mr. Owl is grumpy about love. Or maybe it's that his neighbors won't shut up. So, okay. When the grass sprouted, Bambi was still a baby with spots. And now he's all grown up with antlers. The antlers are itchy. He has to rub the velvet off of them. Oh, it's probably been a year since his mother died. According to the University of Missouri, it takes about one and a half to two years for a buck to grow antlers. That actually makes this seem a lot less like, Mom died so I fell in love. The owl gives a speech about being Twitterpated. Twitterpated is Disney for horny. Who 
hurt Friend Owl that he makes it seem that falling in love would be the worst thing ever. Or is that just how teen boys think about it until they meet a girl? I've always enjoyed how the three characters are like, I'll never be Twitter-pated, and then immediately find people to fall in love with. Flowers first. You cannot convince me Flower is straight. Now it's Thumper's turn. The girl he meet has blush, eyeshadow, and false eyelashes on. And he goes from, bah, Twitter patient, to look at the pretty girl in 0.02 seconds. I'd like to draw your attention to the fact that the female rabbit and skunk have chests that are drawn to look like they have breasts. Oof, right in the childhood. Bambi and Feline meet again. She kisses him on the cheek and they dance through the clouds. It's here I'm going to make you sad by telling you that, in the source material, they never see each other again after his mother dies. He reminisces as he's old and gray that he wishes he'd seen her again. Anyway, in the movie, they're in love. But there's a dude bro who wants to fight Bambi for her. So, we have a nature documentary for a while. There are some more elements that remind me of The Lion King here. Bambi wins by throwing dude bro off a cliff into the water. And now they're together. I mean, by animal standpoints, this is how it works. And we're going to sing a love song in the meadow. They have... What I can only assume is a lovely night together. But Bambi wakes to walk through the woods. I think he hears or smells something. It's hard to tell. But there's a camp with smoke rising from it. His father appears from nowhere. It is man. And they're all jerks. Disney doesn't like man, and that's completely fair. We must go deep into the forest. But Bambi's a good guy and goes back for Feline. The chipmunk and squirrel that you see together all the time were originally planned to be a comedy duo like Laurel and Hardy. That would have been really interesting. The animals hide, but a pheasant can't sit still any longer. And the shooting starts. Everybody run! The hunter's not a great shot. He's just shooting and hoping he hits something. Oh, now there's a pack of dogs. But Feline's smart enough to climb a cliff. Bambi fights them off, then buries them under a rock slide. Y'all... I don't think those dogs are okay. The hunter shoots Bambi as he jumps over a gorge, and then his campfire catches the woods on fire. Honestly, people are the worst. The animals run and hide. Bambi is still alive, but he's hurt. His dad does the staunch but caring 1940s dad impression. You must get up. Now come with me. All that was missing was rub some dirt in it. The reason Bambi's dad is king of the forest is because he's smart enough to run in the river when the forest is on fire. But gosh, that fire is so pretty. If only it wasn't destroying thousands of trees and habitats. The animals gather on the other side of the lake. Bambi rises from it as a mythical stag. He and Feline see each other and comfort each other. Another big passage of time. This seems to be at least another year later. Deer gestate for about 200 days, and you can see the remnants of the burnt forest covered in flowers. I think this is a subtle nod from Disney that nature can repair herself if we just stop destroying her. They had twins. And Bambi was as absent as his father was. Really, just like the rest of early Disney, this completely lacks falling action. The end! When I started this project, I thought Cinderella was immediately after Bambi. But... I've discovered there are actually quite a few movies standing between Bambi and the next princess. Next time, The Three Caballeros. In the meantime, I'd love to hear your memories and current opinions of Bambi. 
Do you have fond memories in your heart, or did it teach you that we are all mortal and not one of us will live? Come tell me on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching the show's name or the handle Oof My Childhood. This episode's cover art was created by Ikra Kudus. I linked to her Instagram in the show notes, my website, and on social media. As of today, you can now view a gallery of the cover art that has been provided on my website. If you'd like to provide fan art for a future episode, you can drop me a message on my social media or fill out the form on my website. Our theme music was composed and played by Sean Rudolph of Let Music Be. For more information on that studio, you can visit their website at letmusic.be or visit my website for an easy link. You can find transcripts for each episode on my website, and if you check out my YouTube channel, I have captioned video versions of each episode as they're published. I do my best to provide YouTube videos and transcripts at the same time as each podcast episode is released. But if this one isn't up yet, you can always check my website for an update and a link to the appropriate video. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you come back each week to discuss Disney Through Modern Eyes. And while you're at it, if you're enjoying yourself, please let your friends know about me. I'd also appreciate a rating and review wherever you're listening to the show. This podcast is written, recorded, and edited by me. I release a new episode every Monday through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many, many other podcatchers. So until next time, keep the magic alive. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.